morning. That's pretty good for a Korean church. <laughs> Usually it's just kind of mumbles. Um, uh, it's good to see you all. Um, wow, it's really loud. But um, I'm just saying that because it's really loud. Uh, but um, it's good to see you all. Uh, I've had a busy week. Um, if you don't know me that well, um, uh, I'm, I'm actually in seminary and I'm finishing up my semester. And uh, so I'm going through all my paper writing and it's been kind of an exhausting week. Um, if you don't know, uh, much about what seminary is like. It's kind of, it's, it's just like normal school, you know, it's just, you know, you have exams and papers and you got to learn a whole bunch of stuff and you got to crunch it all in at the end. And, um, but the only difference is like, if you fail exams in seminary, then you go to a bad place. <laughs> all right, but no, no, not really. But, uh, but you know, it's like, you can't fail in seminary. It's like, it's wrong, right? But, um, uh, but it's been a tough week, right? Uh, for a number of reasons. Um, I feel like um, you know, with uh, events that happened this week, uh, you know, as Doke was praying about, um, you know, I, I don't know, as I was thinking about this message and stuff, I, I felt a little bit like if we just sort of passed it up and just kind of pretended like life as usual at church, we'd be making a little bit of a mistake. So um, let me try to um, throw out a couple words at, um, you know, what happened over on the East Coast this week. Um, you know, every, every, there's tragedies that happen around the world all the time. And there's so many injustices that happen in the world, but you know, every once in a while, something like this happens where um, you know it catches our attention and really um, makes the world sort of stop. And uh, you know that's what happened this week. Um, and uh, when this happens, um, a lot of things change, or a lot of questions arise in our hearts. Um, you know, um, typically, uh, church attendance during um, you know when when tough things happen in the world, uh, church attendance always goes up. And people are looking for answers and they're asking questions. And, uh, you know, we, we have to stop from our daily lives, you know, just, just working and doing family and having fun or doing whatever we do in our lives. Uh, school, we stop and we think about, uh, you know, we ask these questions like, you know, is the world, like, what is wrong with this world? Or we ask, um, you, know, uh, you know, can I trust, you know, can I, can I live in this, you know, you ask yourself, can I live in this world that's so crazy? You know, like, how do I fit in this place? Or we even uh, ask questions about who God is. You know, who is God in the midst of this tragedy? How can he allow stuff like this to happen? Okay, and, and those are real tough questions, right, that, um, you know, if you're bringing them to, if you're here because of, you know, something like that or, or something in your mind or you, you have those questions in your heart, right, um, you know, this is part of what Christ um, answers, right? And, and uh, we're glad that you're here at our church and um, I guess uh, what I'd like to say about that is um, a lot of those answers are better in conversation than in just, you know, me standing up here and shotgunning out a whole bunch of, you know, well, God meant this for good or, or you know, having these cliche lines like, you know, well, the world, you know, America is paying for its sins or, you know, some crazy stuff like that, that, that which doesn't make any sense, right? But, um um, I encourage us to have conversations, right? whether it's in our community groups, you know, this Friday, if, if um, you know, this has really uh, brought questions to your mind, ask in your community groups, you know, like, uh, you know, can we just stop and talk about this a little? Or, uh, you know, if you want to talk to Pastor Susung or talk to, you know, me or, or anyone that you trust, um, you know, I really encourage you to do that and, and uh, you know, and we'll talk about this and then we'll figure out, you know, what's going on. If, if not, nothing else, just to, um, you know, just to talk. And uh, just to console a little bit, um, uh, the only thing that goes through my mind uh, when things that hap- uh, things like this happen is, 
um, you know, and people ask those questions. Can you trust that God is really still good in all of this? And, uh, you know, and in my mind, in my heart, I, I can genuinely say yes. You know, God is still in control. Uh, God is still good, right? And uh, the question, um, you know, that, that comes from that is how can you trust God, right? And let me just give you, like, one short answer. There's a lot of answers. There's a lot of questions, and there's a lot of stuff. And we can go on forever talking about this stuff. But let me uh, just answer how I know that. Okay, and, uh, and then we'll go on to our message, um, how, I, how I know. Okay? When I think about God, when I think about tragedies, when I think about when bad stuff happens, uh, whether you know, it's family or you know, stuff like this, um, you know, how can I trust God is because when I have questions about God, and, and you know, I'll never know all the answers about who God is and why he's doing what he's doing or what, why things are happening the way they are, okay? and, and I don't think anyone ever will. Or I know that, you know, because God is who he is and, and, and he's doing stuff the way, uh, you know, in a special way. Okay, but uh, what I do know about God is, um, you know, I can, you know, even though I don't understand some parts of who God is or why he's doing what he's doing, right, I can trust what I do, what I know about God. Okay, and, and what I mean by that, let me illustrate it through um, my marriage. Okay, I've been married about uh, two and a half years. Okay, and... Uh, um, for those of you that are young and you think marriage, right, like, it, marriage is crazy, right? When I, when I, when I got married, right, there's a lot of stuff that happens when you get married, right, that I just don't understand. Like, why is my wife angry with me, right? Like, what did I do? Like, why is she yelling at me, okay? There's a lot of mysteries, okay? And, um, I've, I've had to deal with that a long time, okay? But in my two and a half years, okay, um, at first it was like this tragedy that was like, what, what am, what's going on? Like, why am I sitting out here all cold and she's in the bed, okay? And, and she's sleeping, okay? What happened, okay? Uh, but in my two and a half years, what I've learned is, uh, as, I, as I get to know Esther better, um, you know, even though I don't understand everything about her or, um, you know, what, what I did wrong, um, I, I can always trust that she loves me, right? Because of all the other things that I know about her. Okay, there will always be a mystery to a woman, right? Amen, men? Right? There will always be a mystery to a woman that we'll never understand, okay? But no matter how shaky or bad it gets, all right, in my relationship with Esther, like, I know that, um, you know, from what I do know about her, from our experience, from our relationship, from our history, I can trust, even though things are bad, all right, that it's, it's, it's okay, right? And there still is love. Okay. Um, there's other people in this room that are recently married, uh, like DP. Just, we'll pray for you. Okay. You don't understand yet, but, okay, there's a hope. All right, just keep hanging in there. Okay, but, um, but in all seriousness, okay, um, this is how I look at God. Okay, I take what I know, uh, I understand how he's seen me through so many times, how he loves me, and, uh, you know, I don't erase the relationship because I have this question mark. I let this reinforce what I don't know and understand. Okay, so, um, um, you know, if that doesn't, you know, that's not to answer a question necessarily, but maybe it starts a conversation for some of us. Okay, so if you want to talk about that more, um, let's talk about that. Okay, I don't want to just, again, just be a church where we walk around and pretend nothing ever happened. Okay, Um, something did happen, and uh, we have questions. Um, Let's talk. Okay, so uh, why don't we pray, and um, we'll get into our message. We'll read Matthew chapter 2. Um, God, we thank you so much uh, that you are in control, um, that you do love us, uh, that your son 
uh, is such an awesome gift to us uh, that if we really understood what it meant, uh, we would uh, really calm our hearts in, uh, in times of uh, question and trouble. Uh, please teach us all to trust you and to know that you are God and that you are king in this earth. Um, as we turn to your word, um, we ask uh, that you open our eyes, um, give us encouragement, uh, not only for ourselves, but to bring to our neighbors and our family as well. Um, God, we uh, just look to you, and uh, we just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so if you could turn to Matthew chapter 2, and uh, we'll read the same passage from two weeks ago, right? Um, Matthew, Matthew chapter 2, uh, we'll probably read from verse 1 to 12. This is what it says, Matthew chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, uh, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Uh, For we saw his star when it rose and have, uh, we saw his star, for we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Uh, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, uh, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it was written by the prophets, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. When Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them uh, what time the star had appeared, and uh, he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, uh, go, to, go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, uh, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Uh, after listening to the king, uh, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose uh, went before them until it came to rest over a place where the child was. Uh, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Uh, then opening their treasures, they offered gifts to him, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned in the dream not to return to Herod, uh, they departed to their own country by another way. Okay. Um, I'm having a bad reading day, and I get that every once in a while. Um, uh, again, this passage amazes me. Just, uh, you know, again, we're in the holiday season. Uh, two weeks ago, I, I gave you a message, and, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, if nothing else, it's mind-blowing because that passage right there alone has changed the course of the entire world, all right, the, the entire economic situation of America depends on Black Friday, okay? And, uh, you know, all around the world we celebrate this holiday because of this tradition that started here in this passage, okay? But um, in this passage there's a greater message than that, okay? There's a greater hope than, uh, you know, getting in the black, okay? But uh, there's a – is it red or black? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not good at economics. But you get into one of those, okay, and it's positive and it's better and it makes the world happy, okay? And you save jobs, okay? So uh, – but – uh, there's a lot going in, on in this passage, okay? and we kind of skipped the first part when I, when I spoke to you two weeks ago, and I want to kind of cover the first part. Okay? Uh, when I look at passages in the Bible, and when I, and I read uh, passages and I study them, a lot of times what I do in my mind, because okay, I'm not really that smart, okay? I'm not like Susung who went to Stanford and Harvard and you know, like has all these degrees and, and he's smart, okay? um, I, just, I just think of it like a movie. 
All right, that, that's how I study the Bible. Okay, this is Joe Bible Study 101. Okay, this is what I do. Okay, I just think of it like a movie, and then I figure out, you know, what's the scene? Who are the characters? What are they doing? What's their motivation? Okay, so, um, you know, it's very much like, you know, lights, camera, action. What's supposed to happen? All right, what's supposed to happen? Okay, so uh, very simply, if we look at this passage, um, the scene is basically, you know, if you read verse 1, it's in Jerusalem, okay, and there are these wise men that come. Okay, so, you know, you, you, uh, you just picture this. Okay, wise men coming. And, um, you know, they talk to this King Herod, and then they go to Bethlehem. Okay, so two scenes here, um, Jerusalem and Bethlehem. Okay, very simple. Okay, and the next thing I do is who are the characters? Okay, who are the main characters in this story? And if you think about it, if you look at the story, okay, the main characters are the wise men, right, and Herod, right, King Herod. The wise men and King Herod. Okay, so uh, what I want to do is uh, very simply look at these guys, right, and see who they are. Uh, very, okay, very simply look at the Bible and just look at what words describe these people. Who are they? Okay, what words describe these people and who are they? Okay, so first, let's look at the wise men. Okay, let's look at the wise men, right, which is um, maybe it's a good activity just because, you know, again, we hear this story so much and we see a million manger scenes and it's just we've run over this message so many times, um, you know, again, it's... Just let's stop and let's look at what's going on here. Okay? Uh, so who are the wise men? All right, first thing we see, verse 1. Okay, verse 1. Um, the wise men are wise. Right? Is this, it's like some major, you know, groundbreaking, you know, write your PhD thesis on this. Okay, the wise men were wise. Okay, so that's the first thing we learn about the wise men. Okay, uh, secondly, all right, uh, they're worshipful. Okay, in verse 2, it says, you know, they saw the star, it rose, and they have come to worship him. Okay, so they're worshipful. Okay, so these wise men uh, are seeking to um, pay homage to uh, this baby Jesus. Or, um, you know, if we you know, look further in the story, uh, this word worship, uh, worshipful, okay, uh, in, in the Greek language, it literally means to, you know, bow down or prostrate yourself. Okay, and we see that happening in the, later in the story. When they meet the baby, what do they do? They bow down. Okay, they pay homage. They, they seek to worship this baby. Okay. Uh, third thing, uh, when Herod uh, talks to them, right, he, tell, he tells them in verse 8, you know, go diligently and seek Jesus. Okay, so uh, we learn about these wise men. They're diligent in their seeking after Jesus. They're diligent people. Right, and finally, um, uh, verse 10. All right, verse 10. Uh, and, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly. Right? They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Okay, so they were joyful in, in uh, you know, their pursuit of Christ. Okay, so four things. They were wise, they were worshipful, they were diligent, and they were joyful. Okay, so if I was directing the scene in this movie, and you know, I find three wise men, and I'm like, and they're like, what's my motivation? What's my motivation? Right? You're like, okay, you're a wise man. Okay, so look wise. Uh, be worshipful. You got to be diligently seeking after Jesus, and you know when you find him, you got to be joyful. Okay, that's your motivation. That's 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 what you got to go off of. Okay, so work with that. Work with that. Okay, uh, you know when we talk about this in church, you know it's like your mom would be proud if you were like a wise man. Right? You're wise, worshipful, diligent, joyful. Your mama would be proud. Um, I don't know. It's kind of. My mind's weird, okay? So I was thinking about this last night. Like, how do I illustrate this? Like, how do I make this work, okay? And as I was thinking about, like, all the ways, like, you illustrate wise, worshipful, diligent, and joyful, I was like, how would an Asian parent, like, 
understand this passage, you know? And it's like, if, if, if an Asian person, Asian parent was like looking at like their like little children and they're like, um, you know, this is, this is what the Bible means, okay, in, in our typical day and age. This is what the Bible means, okay? If you're going to be a wise man, wise, you are going to be a wise man, okay, or, or a young man, young girl, okay? Then that means in the Bible says you get straight A's, okay? Or if you're going to be worshipful, that means you go to church and you have good friends, right? Or if you're diligent, that means you get straight A's, Okay. And if you're joyful, that means you went to a good college. Okay. <laughs> so to me, that was like the Asian translation. Okay. But, uh, uh, I don't know. It has nothing to do with anything, but that's just what happens in my brain. Okay. <laughs> okay. But, um, but this is what they were. Okay. This is what the wise men were. Okay. And second character is who is, who is Herod? Okay. Who is Herod? Uh, in verse one, uh, we find out that Herod is king. Okay. Herod is king of Israel. Okay. Uh, in verse 3, okay, as the wise men enter Jerusalem, they start asking questions. We find out that Herod is troubled. Okay. Um, it says in verse 3, when Herod heard this, he was troubled, right, and all of Jerusalem with him. Um, Herod, right, in his troubledness, is threatened by this baby that has appeared. Okay. He's threatened because right, this baby is said to be a king. Right? It's very simple. Right? This baby shows up. This baby is supposed to be a king. Herod is a king, right? so he's troubled. Okay? So his life is threatened. Like his, you know, everything about his life is threatened because another king has showed up. His rule, his power, his authority are all threatened. His way of life is threatened because of this child. Okay? Um, it's, 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 you know, we don't live in a day and age where we have you know, kings in our society, um, and it's very different. But uh, you know, we do live in a day and age where we have football, and, uh, you know, when, uh, you know, many of you guys that are 49ers fans, you know, Colin Kaepernick becomes the starting quarterback, right, what happens? Alex Smith is threatened, right? If you guys don't know about this, you, should, you have a very good football team in your city. Right? You, should, you should appreciate this and be proud of it. Okay? That's all I'm saying, okay? But, but there's this quarterback, Colin Kaepernick, right? And he became the starting quarterback because a stupid thing happened. Alex Smith is threatened. His job is threatened. There can't be two starting quarterbacks, right? This doesn't exist in the national football. Like, it never works, okay? It doesn't happen. Okay, in this, in, back in the day, okay, Herod as king recognizes if there's another king, right, that means pretty soon he might not be king anymore, okay? So he's threatened, okay? And it says, all of Jerusalem was threatened as well, okay? So the whole city, everyone that he uh, is king over is threatened as well, Right. Why is the whole city threatened? Okay, because they recognize that Herod is a crazy man. Okay, Herod is a crazy man. Uh, you know, we learn through history that, that Herod uh, murdered a lot of his family. All right, if we read further on in this chapter, we learn that Herod kills uh, a bunch of children because he can't find this Jesus. All right, and um, the, the thing that's crazy about it is, you know, he kills a bunch of children and he doesn't get put away and locked up. He goes on ruling as king, and no one says anything about it because he's the king, and that's the way the world works in their world. Okay, so you know they recognize that this guy is crazy. Okay, in our worlds, to understand this, uh, the best examples might be, you know, Kim Jong Il. Okay, when he was ruling North Korea, we all recognize he's a crazy man. Right? He has you know no regard to anyone. He'll do anything. He'll kill his own people. He'll put him in you know slave camps. He'll do whatever he wants. So. Um, you know, when Kim Jong-il is troubled, everyone in North Korea is troubled. 
right? Because it's just, that's the way it is. It's a crazy world, right? And he runs it, okay? So that's the way the world was like for them, okay? Uh, Herod was a crazy guy. When he's troubled, everyone's troubled. All right, so first, he's king. Uh, verse 3 tells us he's troubled. Verse 4, he, he's in, he inquired, okay? Verse 4 basically says, you know, he got the or he got his people around him and said, what's going on? All right, what's going on? What can we do? All right, what can we do? What are the options that I have in order to keep life the same as usual? All right, to, to get rid of this Jesus, this king, this Messiah that's shown up on the scene out of nowhere. What can we do to get rid of this guy? Okay, to keep life as normal because I don't want to lose my kingship. Okay, so he inquired, okay, or he's inquirous, he's inquiristic, inquisitive. Okay, thank you, inquisitive. Right, he's inquisitive. And then fourthly, uh, um, King Herod, he brings these three wise men to him secretly, and he talks with him, and he schemes. Okay, so he's secretive. Right, verse 7 teaches us he's secretive. So he's trying to carry out a scheme and get away with something. Okay, so uh, these are the two characters we have in the story, right, main characters. Right, the one, okay, the wise men, wise, worshipful, diligent, joyful. Right, Herod, okay, king of Israel, troubled, um, inquisitive, and secretive, okay, scheming, okay. Um, when we think about good stories and good movies, right, a good movie draws you into the characters, okay. That's, that's one of the marks of a really good movie, right? It draws you into the characters. Either uh, it allows you to relate deeply with a certain character or, um, you know, the character um, you look at has something so great that you, you want to be like them. There's something about them that, that really draws you into them, and you want to have something, okay? Um, um, you know, and, and that happens in, in good movies. Okay, so I was thinking about the Avengers. There's a lot of uh, main characters in the Avengers, okay? And uh, there's, there's different reasons why these different characters draw us, and they draw different people, okay? So um, it's kind of like, um, you know, it's kind of like boy bands in Korea. They have, like, so many of them, and, and you're drawn to one of them, right? The girls are drawn to, like, you're either like this guy because he sings well or this guy because he dresses well or this guy because he has nice hair, okay? But this is what happens in the Avengers, okay? This is, is kind of like the idea. You just bring all these guys together, and then everyone goes and watches it because there's something about one of the characters that draws you in, okay? Um, whether it's Captain America, okay, and, you know, you look at Captain America, he was this weak, scrawny, nerdy guy getting beat up by everyone, and then all the nerdy, scrawny kids in school that want to get tough one day, you know, they, they're drawn to him because he becomes a superhero and he starts beating up his own bullies and, you know, taking, you know, just kicking butt and, you know, taking names and just, he just, he just becomes this person, okay? So um, nerdy kids get drawn to him and they're like, I want to be like this guy because he's like, he's my hope that I can become something and, and beat up my enemies, okay? Or there's Iron Man, okay? Iron Man is on the opposite side, okay? There's nothing endearing about Iron Man. He's, he's basically... Um, he's kind of like just, just kind of like a prick, right? He's like he's like annoying. He's just he's he's just overly prideful and and he's just a jerk about everything. But right, what draws people to him is he's stinking rich, right? And he has like every cool toy that you could possibly own. He's got the cars, he's got the buildings, he's got the clothes, he's got women around him, he's got everything that's cool. He's super smart. He, and, and, you know, so, uh, you know, regardless of, you know, like, there's nothing good about him as a person, just because he's, like, so wealthy and, and you know, just doing well for himself, the success of him uh, draws people into him, okay? They, they want to be like him. Um, the Hulk, 
All right, the Hulk is is on the opposite side. Okay, he's the he's the lonely kind of weary traveler that has no friends, and you know, but but people are drawn to him because I don't know why, but just maybe just because he can be enraged. Okay, maybe some of us just want to break stuff or something. I don't know. Okay, but but he's just the lonely guy that walks around by himself, and he's just kind of it's depressing. Okay, which is why the Hulk movies never do well compared to the other ones, right? Because <laughs> you just no one likes that story. Okay, but um, but he just breaks stuff. Okay, um, you know the Black Widow. Okay, uh, Natasha Romanoff. Okay, she's she's just beautiful. Okay, so it's just like people are drawn to that. Okay, it's just as simple as that. Okay, it's a, it's cool when there's a girl that's beautiful that can beat people up and shoot things and and it's weird, but right, people are drawn to that. Okay, um, and. Uh, it's the reason why little kids run around, okay, and, they, and they're like, I want to be Thor, and I want to be the Hulk, and I want to be Captain America, but nobody wants to be Agent Phil Coulson, <laughs> right? Do you guys even know who that is? All right, that's the guy in the story that's kind of like Samuel Jackson's wingman, the guy that just kind of does his duty and, and walks around, okay? So no one even knows who that is, okay? No one wants to be like him, because he's, he's not that in, there's nothing about him that's special and spectacular that you want to be like, and there's nothing about his story that's really deep and really draws you into him that makes you emotionally attached to him as a character, okay? So um, a good movie and a good story draws you into the characters and who they are. Okay, when we look at this story, okay, going back to our passage in the Bible, okay, when we look at this story, um, who are we drawn to? Okay, when, when you look at the story. The wise men, uh, Herod, right? who are we drawn to? Okay, generally, um, naturally, um, it's, it's the wise men. Right? We want to be like the wise men. Okay? They, at least the wise men have a lot going for them. They got, um, you know, they're wise, they're worshipful, they're diligent, they're joyful, they have gifts, so they're rich. Right? They have some sort of power. So it's like we're, we're drawn to these people. Right? They have some character right, um, that... that to them that, that makes us, you know, hopefully it makes you want to be a little bit more like them, okay? And, um, you know, when you think about the landscape of churches around this country, around the world, this is where a lot of churches go with this, okay? So they pick up on this idea, and, it, and again, it is kind of natural that, you know, you just kind of gravitate towards those kind of characters, and, and you say, um, you know, be like the wise men. Okay, so a lot of churches will go with this, and they'll just, the, the, the lesson is, be like the wise men. Be wise, you know, search diligently after Jesus. Uh, you know, be joyful when you see him. Be worshipful towards Jesus, right? Uh, let's pray and close this message and, and, and move on with our lives, okay? Which, um, you know, uh, if you've gone to other churches, uh, maybe that's your experience, right? Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Okay, um, and there's nothing wrong with this uh, teaching, right? And there's nothing wrong to aspire towards good character. Okay, I'm not trying to bash it completely, uh, but what I do say about that is it's, it's just not the heart of what the gospel is. Okay? It's not the heart of what the gospel is. It's not at the center of what Christ taught. Okay? Just to be uh, wise, just to be worshipful, just to be diligent, just to be joyful. Do those things and you're a good Christian. Okay? That's not the, at the heart. Right? It's part of the message. Okay? It's part of what we should aspire to be and do. But it's not the heart of the gospel. It's not the heart of what Christianity teaches Okay, and uh, if, if you want to see this, okay, um, if you find someone that isn't a Christian or uh, left the church, okay, um, a lot of times the larger criticism of theirs, okay, and I've talked to a number of people like this, is um, they say Christians are hypocrites. 
Okay? If you ask the average Christian on the street, you know, uh, you know, in regards to this message, what's a Christian supposed to be? You know, they'll be a, a Christian is someone who's wise, worshipful, diligent, joyful. Okay? But all these people that aren't Christians or have left the church look at those people and they're like, but they're not like that. Right? They're not like that. Right? They're, like, I know Christians and you know, maybe they're worshipful at times or they're diligent at times or they're joyful at times, but most of the time they're just like me. You know, they're, you know, I go out with them and, and they get drunk with me or they cheat like me or they talk behind other people's backs like me. They gossip just like me. Um, it's just it's, they're, they're hypocrites. Right? And, and those people who criticize Christians are right. Okay? For the most part, they're right. Okay? We, we are very much like that. We say we're one thing, and we try to profess that Christianity is a certain way in, in that church model paradigm where we teach, like, you know, be like the wise men. Okay? In that paradigm, you know, uh, where a lot of Christians live, we're, we say we're, we should be something, and that's what a Christian is, but we fail that. Okay? We fail that. And... Um, and, 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 and so, so you see that, right? That, that's not the end. Right? If that's the gospel, if, if the gospel, if, if what Christ taught in the heart of his message is, you know, just be wise, be worshipful and diligent and joyful. Try your best at this, okay? And, and you'll be saved. Right? Try your best at this and you'll, and you may, and you'll go to heaven. Right? Be a good person and you'll go to heaven, right? That's not the heart of the gospel, okay? That, that'd be a lie. Okay, again, it's part of it. Although it's good to want to be these things, right, it's good to be like the wise men. Again, I'm not totally knocking this and saying you know, that's totally wrong. Right? I want to propose that if we want to get close to the gospel, right, we need to recognize that in a lot of ways, right, we're not like the wise men. Okay, if we want to get closer to the gospel, we've got to recognize in a lot of ways, we're not like these wise men. Okay? But in a lot of ways, we're more like Herod than we are like the wise men. If you want to get close to the gospel, you've got to think this way. Okay? We're not as much like the wise men as we think, but in a lot of ways we're more like Herod. Okay? And you might be like, what are you talking about? We're not psychopathic, murderous people. Okay? Um, it's, really, um, okay, it's really where the heart of Herod is. Okay? Uh, when we get to the heart of Herod, okay, what, what's at the heart of Herod? Well, why is he doing all this stuff? Okay, the central issue in Herod is Jesus threatens his way of life. The central issue of Herod is Jesus threatens his way of life, okay? Him as a king, okay? So this plays out two ways, okay? Let me play it out two ways. Uh, the first way is if you're, if you're not a Christian, right, or if you've left the church and you refuse to believe this stuff anymore, okay, um, what this means is, okay, you are your own king, right? Just like Herod, you are your own king. You direct your life. Or uh, if you believe in some other religion, uh, you know, your Buddhism or Islam or whatever the case might be, there's some god or something that is your king or guides your life or directs your life, okay? If you're not a Christian, right, there's some other thing that directs your life, okay? Uh, and, and the crux of the whole matter is, okay, if Jesus is who he says he is, okay, and if the Bible is correct in who Jesus is, okay, that means that this should trouble you just like it troubles Herod, okay? Because if Jesus really is king, right, what that means is he's come, and at some point, he's going to overthrow your rule and reign in your own life. Okay, so uh, again, right now, if you're, you know, you you might be in control of your life, you think you have things going your own way. Jesus comes in, and the realization is, if I'm going to become a Christian, that means my whole life is going to be turned upside down. I don't want to give up control of that. Okay, so what do we do? Right, um, the Herodness in us, right, makes us erase Jesus. 
Right? How do we erase Jesus? Right? Um, we don't murder people, but um, you know, in some ways, people pick up random Bible verses or facts that make it untrue. They, they, you know, they, they look at the Internet and they're like, oh, this, this makes sense. This, this and this can't happen at the same time. And they just pick up some random fact that uh, doesn't really make sense. You know, can the whole Bible be true if all these people wrote it and it's just telephoned? Wouldn't it become untrue and the Bible doesn't make sense anymore? Uh, that's another thing that happens is they try to make the Bible untrue. Right? So um, they do that or... Uh, they call Christians hypocrite. I've grown up in church. I've been there. I've seen it. I've done it. All these people are just hypocrites. They say they're one thing, but they're another. I can't believe this. This is totally false. Okay, so they erase Jesus. Um, or, um, you know, they, in some other way, they just try to make Christianity irrelevant. You know, they say, you know, in, in our society, Christianity, it's so intolerant. It can't be right. It's so intolerant. You know, it's like all this stuff, uh, you know, with uh, homosexual marriage. It's so intolerant. It's like Christianity can't be right. Uh, Jesus, this, the message is stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, push it out to this. Erase Jesus from my mind, right? And, and he's got no authority, and they erase Jesus, okay? And, and all the other ways they do this. Okay, on the other side of this, okay, if we're Christians, okay, if we're Christians, right, um, we say Jesus is the king of our life, okay, but if, if, in the way that we become Herod is we manage him. We manage Jesus, right? which means um, Jesus, you know, we say he's the king of our life, but there's parts of our lives that he does still threaten. Right? There's, there's parts of the way uh, we want to live our life. There's parts of the way that we want to be successful in life. There's parts of ways that we want to have fun in our lives that Jesus threatens right? as king. Like if I'm going to live the way I'm supposed to live, Jesus threatens this. Okay? So uh, as Christians, what do we do? Right? and I do this too, is we box Jesus in the areas of our life. Right? We just put him in boxes and, and push him to certain corners of our lives and let him be king in that corner, but this other part we kind of just you know, kind of hide from him or just live our own way. Okay? So, um, you know, meaning, for example, um, you know, a lot of our, um, you know, a lot of times I've, I've heard people say, you know, or people live like, and I live like, you know, if I have time at the end of the day, then I'll open up my Bible and I'll read if I have time, right? Or, you know, sometimes we get to that point in community group or some small group and you're like, you know, how was your quiet time? And it's like, oh, I just haven't had time this week, right? And in essence, all you're saying through that is I've boxed Jesus into this corner and when it becomes appropriate for Jesus to come out, I open the box, right? It's Sunday, time to open the box. Let Jesus reign as king, right? It's the work week, Right, it's time to go to Vegas. It's time to go to this football game. It's time to you know put them back in the box. Okay, um, it's time for a community group. As long as I don't have anything better to do that Friday, um, you know, Jesus, stay in the box. I found something better to do. Okay, even though I know this community, this church is is it at the center of your heart. You love this thing. Right, we we do a lot of funny things. Okay, um, what can I do to box Jesus? Okay, and and thus erase him for a moment. Okay, so again, at the, Her- at the center of Herod's heart, Jesus threatens his way of life. Right? A lot of times, Christians and people that aren't Christians, right? we got to think of this in two different ways. Right? How is Christ threatening our lives? Okay? And, and what do we do? Right? So what do we do? What can we do? Because right? you might feel like you're in one of these two camps. Okay, so what do we do? Right, uh, we got to start looking at Jesus as a character in the story. So Jesus is also part of the story, this movie that we're making. Okay, uh, first we recognize who Jesus is. 
Okay, we've got to recognize who Jesus is. Uh, the first thing we've got to recognize about Jesus is um, he's a baby. Right? Jesus is a baby. Right? Uh, we've got to recognize about who Jesus is. Jesus comes as a baby not to threaten your life or your way of life. Right? But Jesus comes to give you life. Jesus comes to give you life. He doesn't come to threaten your way of life. Okay? Um, when, when you think about how Herod thought about Jesus, he thought about it completely wrong. If he thought about it the other way, if he understood that this baby comes not to threaten my life or my, you know, the way I live, but he comes to give me a life that is so full, right? which is exactly what John 10.10 10 says. This is, uh, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it to the full, right? the fullness of life. This is what Jesus desires to give. Right, so the fullness and the depth of relationship, the fullness and joy, the fullness and happiness, the fullness um, in, in, in all of life he desires to give to us. Okay? Um, better than what we think we understand in our own life, in our own rule as king, right, he wants to give us something better than what we think is best. Okay, we think best is success, or we think best is you know, uh, doing this other thing, doing what makes me happy, all right? But Jesus wants to give us a best that is so much greater than, than whatever we can contrive in our minds in this world that we think is good. Okay, so we got to recognize that about Jesus. Okay, whenever you, you think, um, you know, all these different things, Jesus wants to give us what is best. He wants to give us real life. Um. Jesus comes humbly. Okay, Jesus is a baby. Uh, Jesus wants to give us life. Jesus comes humbly. Right? He, comes, he comes as this little baby. Right? This, like, when's the last time a little baby has threatened you? Okay? Um, it's, it's, it's just it's, it's crazy. Okay? He comes as a little baby from the majesty of heaven. Right? Uh, if we understand you know, uh, Christ correctly, he's from the majesty of heaven. He's, he's, the, he's the God of the universe. Right? And he comes through some unknown little girl that no one knows who she is. Right? He comes to some insignificant town, right? and he becomes born in some insignificant manger, right? and, and he comes to us humbly. Right? He doesn't come to Herod. He doesn't come to us. as you know, He doesn't come to this earth as a king. He's not born in the heart of Jerusalem or in the center of Rome and you know, born to kings and born to rule and overthrows him and, and, you know, comes to Herod as a baby, punches him in the stomach and says, now I'm taking over. Okay, this is my ship now, Herod. Get out of the way. Okay, it's not like that. Okay, Jesus comes humbly as a baby, right? Not forcefully, okay, but, but desiring to accept us, which is crazy when you think about it. Like, why does Christ come to us in such a manner? Right? Why did he choose that? Um, it, it's it's hard to explain. Okay, um, I, was, I was thinking about two movies. Right, um, and uh, let me just finish up. I was thinking about two movies. Uh, the first movie. How many of you guys have seen Up? Up, Up. I love that movie. Okay. Um, the other movie I was thinking about was Despicable Me. Despicable Me. Yes. Okay. Despicable Me. Okay. Both movies are basically the same story. If you think about it, from from the reality, like both movies are basically the same story. Okay. Both movies are. There's this old crotchety old man. Okay, and these little kids come into their their story. Okay.
marketing. They come into their lives. Okay, so if you want to make a blockbuster movie, right, this is all you got to do. Find an old, crotchety old man and have these little kids come in and transform the man. Okay? So the older character all right, in the story, whether it's Up or Despicable Me, they... Um, they have their own life. They're doing their own thing. They want to run their own way. Okay, the old man wants to get to Paradise Fall and, and up. In Despicable Me, the old man wants to, you know, steal the moon. He wants to steal all these national monuments. Okay, and then these these little characters come into their lives. These babies, right? And and they just get out of my way. Get out of my way. What are you doing here, right? And and these younger characters, they don't they don't come forcefully. All right, they're not like. You know, coming with guns and, and uh, you know, knives and forcing these people into submission. He's like, look here. You're going to cross the street with me and get me this last badge. All right? And I'm going to go on. All right? They don't, they don't do that. Right? They don't, they don't go, look here. You're going to adopt me because right? I need a father. I want to get out of this orphanage. Okay? They don't do that. Okay? But they come humbly. Okay? By the end of the movie, we always learn that if these old men... Right, who are running their own lives, trying to do their own thing, looking out for the best interest they think is the best interest of their own life. Right? If they recognized at the end of the story who these little children were, right, at the beginning of the movie, they would have immediately taken them in and understood how much of a fullness of life that these little kids bring to them. Right? More than everything else that they were chasing after in this world before, right, they recognized that this little person... Right, transforms my life in a way that is so much greater than I ever understood. Okay, and, and I think that's a little bit of the way and reason why Jesus comes as this little child. Right? Not threatening, not pushing us around. Right? Jesus comes humbly, and at the heart of his message is that we can have a full relationship with who he is, right? because of who he is. We can have a full relationship because of who he is. Not who we are, but because of who he is. Okay? He's the one that fixes all our brokenness. Right? As, as he you know, moves on with his ministry, he fixes all our brokenness. Through the, through the cross, he suffers, pays for all of our sins. Right? Through his resurrection, he proves that he's king over all of life and death. Okay, but the whole point of the cross in Christianity isn't to tell you that your sins are forgiven. The whole point of the cross and the resurrection is to tell you, I want you to be with me forever. I want you to, I want you to have a relationship that is fuller than all the things you're chasing after in this world. Okay, and I'm not coming here to force this out of you. I'm coming out of here, here to show you this in humility and love. All right? In a way that... At the end of the story, if you knew this from the beginning, you would have taken Christ right away and held on to him with all your life. Okay, so, uh, you know, when we look at this story, what we should be really learning, right, what we should be really learning from the wise men, right, is, is just to come as you are. Okay, that's the real story. It's not about their wisdom. It's not about their diligence. It's not about their worshipfulness. It's not, it's not. It's not. It's not about the gifts that they bring. It's not about the fact that they can bring Jesus gold. It's not they can you know, bring expensive perfumes or incense. It's not. Okay? It's the fact that they just come as they are. Okay? And this is a theme that we see throughout Jesus' life, okay? throughout, throughout the scriptures. We have shepherds that come to Jesus, right? and, they, and they're nothing like the wise men. Right? They have nothing to bring, nothing to offer. Right? There are 
uh, sinful prostitutes that come before Jesus. There are cheating tax collectors. There's lost people. There's uh, demon-possessed people. There's empty people. There's sick people that have nothing to offer Jesus, but they come to Jesus because they know, or, or maybe at the, at the time they don't know. All they know is he's something great, right? but as they begin to know, they recognize that he is really the greatness of, the, of, of depth of relationship, of, of greatness in this world that I could never know in this world. Okay? And as they come to him, uh, they let him be king. Okay? So in this story, that's the real message. Okay? And, and, and I hope you see that. So let's pray. Let's pray together. God, as we um, come before you, uh, maybe we're running our own lives and uh, we think we're king and you threaten us. Um, I pray that uh, you would show us in your humility um, how much you desire for us to have life and full life. Um, God, if we're uh, Christians that are boxing you in boxes, uh, please help us to see you take you out of that box and recognize how much fullness of life is there is in a relationship with you. Uh, God, wherever we're coming from, uh, God, it's, it's not about being um, wise and right and, and good, a good person, uh, but it's just about coming to you and coming to your feet. And uh, God, whether we're uh, steeped in sin, uh, we don't even know our, our left foot from our right foot anymore, um, please help us just to come to you and know that the gospel is that you'll accept us no matter how we are or who we are or what we've done. Uh, you just desire us to lay before your feet and recognize you as king. And uh, God, in that, let us see uh, the fullness of life that you have for us. Uh, so please teach us these things. And again, uh, we just thank you. Uh, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name.